0: This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with three members of our amazing team, our Digital Media and Marketing Officer, Jennifer Alvarez, our digital guru, as I like to call him, Derek Konofalski, and one of our digital journalists, Jessica Bautista. And we're going to have some fun today and talk about one of the phrases that I seem to be using quite often lately. This is how the world works. In government, we know we hear a lot of common phrases like, well, this is the way we've always done it, or fear of change in general. So I find myself saying very often, well, but that's not the way the rest of the world works. So what do I mean by that? And I think you can all relate. Obviously, we have a digital communications team, non-traditional for what you would see in government. But even after being here for five years, I feel like I run into so much of operating in that old government way. And I think we've all had experiences where we've run into this. So let's talk about what that looks like and then how we change.
1: I just hate that phrase in general. Like even <laughs> outside of government, I think, well, that's just the way we've always done it is probably one of the worst things mm-hmm. somebody can say because okay, that's how you've always done it. Well, then you've been doing it wrong the whole time. Yeah. You know, like
2: And that's just not how our team operates. We've never been that way. I mean, we are always we're constantly adapting and changing and and up-to-date on the latest trends. I mean, that's just not the way we work. And so to work in an organization and hear that as often as we do, I think it's a challenge for us that we've had to overcome in the last five years.
0: Well, yeah, and our team came from the – private sector mostly, and like for me specifically, I worked in the news business and television business and obviously media, which has always been 24-7. So you come to a government job and there's a lot of that 9 to 5, I'm going to clock in and clock out, I'm going to be here till I die or retire, and I'm going to collect my paycheck and do my time, and every year I'll get a step up and get my raise, and that to me was really shocking because that's not anything I'd ever experienced before until I came here. And most of the organization at that time was, that was more common than us who it's kind of like, well, you just kind of get, do it to get the job done and, you know, do whatever it takes. And so it's been a really interesting challenge, I think, to operate the way we do. And I've seen the organization change, um, but kind of like the news cycle, it's 24 seven. And again, that's how the rest of the world works.
2: Yeah. I think just, we kind of came in when the organization was making that transition and we were all kind of going towards that at will status, meaning, you know, we could part ways with the organization at any point in time, if we weren't doing our job,
3: which was, I, I never knew otherwise. So I when I, when I heard that, you know, that, that that was a thing, I was like, well, I was that's under the assumption. The that the that <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> that's not exactly how the rest of the, the world Exactly. This is exactly why we're the the podcast because
0: that is not exactly. how the world works. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. And it's it just, it, It's logical. And you and I, we do a lot of the social media. And that is something, you know, if you don't stay up to date on the trends, you don't stay up to date on which platforms are people, you know, using how people are posting, how every platform changes its own posting, um, strategy, things like that. If you're not ahead, you're behind, you're done. Yeah. And
2: to take that a step further, Dana, you were talking about that nine to five mentality of I come in, I clock in, I do my job, and then I leave for the day. Well, especially with social media, when um, you know we, we started to launch the social channels across the organization, um, people were being put in charge that or an admin, or who literally did exactly. clock in and clock out, and that's stuck not how social media works. Exactly, yeah. social media is a twenty-four-seven responsibility. I mean, it's not that you have to be attached to your phone at all time, but I mean, you're constantly having to check to make sure that if someone does tweet at you about um, a, you know, the the garbage truck missing their trash can, you want to be able to we as a as a practice like to respond within an hour, and that was shocking to a lot of oh, people. Yeah.
0: So I keep telling the story. I know I told you, but now I need to tell the listeners this story. But when we had a conversation with a staff member at one point about talking about transitioning a lot of our neighborhood communications to being online instead of even, I mean, more than that, on social media versus even email um, or the old school way of picking up the phone and calling when a resident has a complaint, but going to next door or using social media to respond. And I made a comment that the practice, as you mentioned, in our department was to acknowledge, especially during business hours, I mean, obviously not in the middle of the night maybe, but to acknowledge those comments within an hour, even if you don't have an answer. You could acknowledge them and say, I'll get on it or I'll go look into this. I don't know, but I'll find out for you. It's that customer service, customer care piece. And I thought this person was gonna fall out of their chair because they <laughs> said they'd been taking a week to two to respond to emails. That's and insane. Derek actually recently came across one that said that they'd been waiting three years for an answer yeah. to something. And this is just unacceptable. You know, and you start to think about again all of the other, you know, kind of government operations out there that are still treating their customers as if it was 1985 Mm -hmm. I mean that's just crazy to me because again that's not the way the rest of the world works yeah and
1: oh sorry I was just gonna say I was recently on a panel for careers in technology we had like one of those panel discussions and one of the things that that got brought up multiple times just by various different people was that you know like like people have expectations of 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 new recruits or like people that are looking in the job market like there's certain expectations there's certain expectations and one of the things that was really weird for me to hear was that uh, the the people on the panel with me a, a couple of them said that the the expectations that they had for programmers or coders or people that were involved in like computer jobs and stuff were that they wouldn't have to communicate with like other members of their team that they you know that they would kind of like work because most of those people are introverted or whatever you know whatever the idea was but it was just really weird to hear these expectations of like those people don't really need to know how to communicate they need to know how to code and program and they need to know like the logic or whatever and uh, at one point one of the students that was in the audience for the panel, like, asked, like, you know, what what skills should I work on? I've been programming since I was 16, and I'm about to graduate now, you know, and and I I just, I want to know what skills I should learn, and I think, like, everybody was expecting to hear the answer of, like, oh, you know, learn a a programming language, or learn this, or whatever, and I was like, um, learn your, like, get really good at problem solving when you have, like, limited resources, you know, like, learn to think outside of the box and then number two, learn to communicate with other people. And I almost like I the the, the looks that I got was kind of like okay, my view of the way the world works must be way different from everybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. else's because I don't know how you can get along in any job without being able to communicate and without, you know, thinking on your feet. Like what innovative or cool ideas ever came from somebody doing things exactly the same way over and over and over again and just keeping the wheels turning or whatever. Like, no, that's never happened.
3: In their own box, you know, if you're not communicating with other people, you know, um, for the listeners, Derek and I sit in the same office space and we're constantly running ideas by each other, pinging ideas and brainstorming, you know, no matter how ridiculous it is. And some really cool stuff has come of it. And it wouldn't have come about if we just sat there with, you know, in our own little box, just doing what we're told to do or doing what, you know, the bare minimum of our job description is day in and day out, you know, without, you know, a passion, without collaboration. These are all things that that you can get really great products out of. And also that's the, again, the way the world works. People communicate with one another in their personal lives, in their professional lives, you know, and social media is a big way that they do that. They do it immediately and they do it around the clock. So, you know, that's that's a huge deal. And I, I can't emphasize that enough at, on top of, you know, what you said is that communication is key.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it's uncommon in our little workspace. We're, we're like, what are they, prairie dogs or meerkats? Or something. <laughs> it's not, not uncommon for somebody okay. to just stand right up and like, hey, I got an idea. Like, <laughs> can I bounce this off of you or can can I get your opinion on this or whatever? So, you know, there's a couple of us in that space or whatever, but it's literally like somebody will stand up and you'll see their head just kind of pop up out of nowhere. And yeah, I think that's that's exactly how like those ideas come up. You just think of weird, crazy things and like, tell me I'm not crazy or I am crazy. You know, what's, what's the deal?
0: Well, and it makes you wonder too, you know, that what could be getting accomplished in government. What problems could be being solved if people got out of the cubicle and broke that mold and started thinking differently and creatively and you know I just had this conversation recently with our IT director about, you know, thinking about looking at the resources you already have instead of what you'd have to get rid of or who you, what resources you would need and how could you realign them to be more creative and more productive and more innovative. And, you know, oftentimes if you're not challenged to do that or no one's asking you to, it's, it takes a certain type of person to take initiative and have to do that. And I know there's certain industries that do that better than others, mm-hmm. which is why you you get that those faces from people in the tech industry who are looking at you like, what, you know? Who, who thought that a computer programmer, who's supposed to hide and sit behind their desk all day, also needs to have people skills? Like, you know, th- this is really. Important And it's really interesting, but it makes you think about all of the lost productivity of people who spend possibly their entire careers coming in, doing the same job they've always done, clocking in, clocking out, going home. I mean, how enjoyable could that possibly be? I mean, I say it all the time to people like, God forbid, we actually have some fun, you know, and yeah. <laughs> do this. Like, yeah, we get to do great work every day. We get to help our community give back. Like, it's it's an amazing, rewarding experience. But on top of that, to stay engaged somebody said um we were doing some interviews yesterday and someone was like oh you've been in a you know this job for 5 years like how did you how have you stayed engaged and i thought wow well it's really there haven't been 2 days that were the same um it's been really a dyna- dynamic interesting place and so that thought of coming in every day for your whole career and clocking in and clocking out and going home and never feeling like you had the freedom to kind of step outside the box i think would just be tragic really you know isn't it
1: kind of like a fear though like isn't that why people do the day-to-day and they and they and they're they're worried about thinking creatively or coming up with that stuff It's because they're afraid of I don't know maybe failure Failure. like like trying Mm -hmm. something creative and failing or I I just I've never understood why government you know we've been to a couple conferences and stuff and we talk to people all the time that work in government and there's like a common thread and I don't understand why government is exempt I mean I under I realize that people don't want governments to try new things that cost a bunch of money because they're afraid of their tax dollars getting misused or whatever. I totally get that. I sympathize with that, that opinion or whatever, but every other industry improves because somebody does something innovative or creative and, and then it helps improve processes. Why is government exempt from that? Why do people feel like the fear of that, that, that retribution or whatever is worse than the fear of failure and potentially, you know, My big thing is that I don't care how many times you fail, you're still learning something every time you fail. Even if you didn't get exactly what you wanted, you're still learning skills or you're still learning about the way things work. That you can then apply to a success later on. You know, like nobody has a 100% track record and, and gets it right every single time they attempt it. And I feel like that's the stigma that government has is you have to do it 100% right, 100% of the time, or don't do it at all. And that's, that's crazy to me.
3: And oftentimes the result of stepping outside of your box and innovating and doing something, you know, trying it out when it is successful it does save money. So at the end of the day, it's accomplishing that very same thing that you were actually afraid of.
2: And I know we were talking, Dana, you mentioned the interviews yesterday and how we were asked why we were still here after five years. And, um, you know, I think some of our answers Ooh, were... An interview we asked that, Yeah. I That's a good question. Isn't that a, a great question? Yeah, most yeah. of them did actually. The
0: average was about three years in a job, and they were shocked that all four of us on the panel had been here for five years, and they seemed really surprised by that, and we were like, well, it was the fastest five years yeah. of our yeah. lives, Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, like seriously. Like,
2: but I think, Dana, that really um, can be contributed to the way that you run this team, that you manage this team, and that we are able to fail. I you know, Jessica, you said that you, you like that you are able to try new things, and if you feel great that's okay like move on learn from it and um, find something bigger and better to move on towards so um, being that adapt or die that's very true for our our department and what we do when it comes to technology social media video
0: technology I mean you go to bed and you wake up and technology's changed overnight right Mm -hmm. and so also government is so adverse and scared and you mentioned fear fearful of change and when you're working especially in technology or communications, or in you know touching video or social media, you you literally have to adapt or die. I was just actually I retweeted today um, an article about Bill Simmons, and he was talking about how he was. You know, wanting to be this sports reporter, and that then he became a blogger, and then he had to figure out how to do video because he could not stay relevant in the business, and how he just was going to give up and do commercial real estate, that he Hmm. remembers this dinner that he had with his then-fiance and his parents, and he's like, forget it. Like, this is just too complicated, and we talk about this all the time in journalism. We were trained. We had to choose a, a track, right? It was print, broadcast, and now a completely different industry. And it's, again, evolving overnight. And so you've got to be willing to let your employees go to training so that they can stay relevant and be up to speed on, you know, what's the hottest, latest technology and trends. Like, you can't be stuck in yesterday and 10 years ago. Like, you've got to be investing in your employees to be helping them to grow and to learn new technology and to feel comfortable. And yet you'll get those I've been in conversations with counterparts where they're like, well, we can't afford to send everybody to training. And so it wouldn't be fair to send, and it's like, all right, there's certain types of positions that probably don't require training, you know, as frequently as others do, but there are plenty of ways around it. You can have webinars where you sign in and ask people to bring a brown bag lunch and everybody could come and you could hold it in a conference room and invite everyone from your organization. Like, you don't have to get on an airplane and go to a conference anymore. Like, we all know that this is, there is a way to stay relevant with reading we talked about um yesterday in interviews if in when it comes to social media like waking up every morning and looking what the headlines are for social media examiner or whatever those um buzzfeed whatever you might be following online to see what happened overnight like literally what changed since yesterday staying relevant and staying on top of that and in government that is such a foreign concept and it's shocking to me because how could it be well the we'll all be left behind if we don't adapt and change, you know? And
1: government is, I mean, I can't think of another industry that gets that exemption besides government. You know, what other yes. industry can you not stay up to date on what you're doing or not stay in what your role is and still and still be successful or be, you know, a, a front runner in your industry or whatever? But yet government, it's like, it's okay to just be numbers or people. Like, don't do anything creative.
0: Well, and Jessica said it. She said, you know, the cost savings,
3: right? Mm -hmm. So if
0: you make the investment in your employees now, or if you decide to switch to digital and get rid of all
3: your printing costs,
0: for example.
3: We know firsthand how much money that can save. Right?
0: (laughs) So, and if you don't, because you're afraid that it's going to cost you to train your employees or to hire the right people who might be able to give you a greater output, you're not willing to make that investment now. You are going to be so much further behind in the future, and, you know, you think about it, like, I look at surrounding cities who are still paying, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 for a basic mailer to go out to all of their residents, and probably because it's the way they've always done it, and, and it, that's,
3: that's it. Innovative ideas are a better investment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and and not just that, but I
2: think of how um, energized I am when I come back from a conference, how once yes. I learn new things or mm-hmm. see what others are doing out um, in the industry or even the private sector industry, I want to come back and I want to um, implement those ideas here in Gilbert, bring those ideas to Gilbert. And so I come back with a new sense of energy that then I share with the team. And so, yes, it costs money to send people to conferences and do those things, but you get so much more in return that's even beyond what they learn at that conference. It's coming back and bringing that energy to the team and the organization. I actually had a staff member today kind of tell me um, we were having a conversation um, about his son and how he loves what, you know, he kind of does what we do. He loves video and how he wanted to introduce his son to our team just because he wants him to see the energy that we bring to the organization and the passion that we bring to what we do. Um, so, you know, and when we go to conferences, we come back with even more energy and even more passion. So I think it's so important um, beyond just what you learn to go to take the time to go to conferences and and see what's going on outside your your bubble.
0: It reminds me, too, of some conversations we've had before with government employees where they will say, well, we're going to lose all these people to X city to be unnamed um, because they can go there and they can do less and make more money, right? And so I always think about that like, wow, I mean, I'm here because it's Gilbert. I'm from Gilbert. I love Gilbert. i am That's my motivation to be here every day. I'm passionate about the community. So it's never crossed my mind to go to another city. I wouldn't. And so it's funny to me because that government-type worker mentality of those normal jobs, like all of the average jobs, whether it's like an accountant or maybe it's a garbage truck driver or whatever, well, I could go to X city and, you know, make less, make more and do less. And it's like, well, but What you wouldn't be with a creative organization that's, and you wouldn't be in Gilbert, and it wouldn't have that same magic or you know the same innovative feel that this organization now has, or getting to work on amazing projects. And who wants to do less? Like, don't you want to do more? And so I hear a lot of that, and I'm I'm hoping that that's something else that we can see change because I don't think. It's good for anyone when, you know, you're just becoming a number or I could just, you know, kind of play this game of, you know, I'm going to move my way up. I'm going to stay in the retirement system and be a government employee and I'm just going to kind of bounce around, you know, that loyalty is I'd rather have, we talked about this in interviews too, people that want to come here because they love Gilbert or they love where Gilbert's going or what Gilbert is doing or what Gilbert represents and they're here because of that, not just because they want to work in government or because they want to work on a digital communications team and you can see the difference between the people that apply for jobs you know they're applying for every open communications job they can find in the market versus the people who are here because it's gilbert and they really are understanding what we're doing in the vision and where we're trying to go and i think that that's so powerful
1: but that's the common thread again is that that fear if if you ask you know a lot of the people that we talk to, if you're looking from like an organizational standpoint, the employer, or in this case the government, is afraid of their employees leaving to go, you know, because they're incentivized by by yep. money, by bigger paycheck or whatever, or, or, or blah blah blah. And employees are are afraid of well you know, if I put in all this time and all this effort or whatever, and I'm not getting more money, then what's my incentive to stay? You know, it's, it's the fear of on both sides. One's afraid of leaving and the other is afraid of staying forever and, and, you know, being stuck in a rut or whatever, having a boring job. And and that's the thing. That's how you incentivize people to do great work is you let them be creative and you let them do these things. And then why would they want to leave? Even if somebody offered them more money, they're not going to give them more money to go do the same thing at another organization because, that's not how that organization works or that's not how you know it, it's a it's a cultural shift it's like a a, a a mentality that the entire organization has to have you, you can't just wave do- i mean and maybe you can you can wave dollar bills in front of some people and say like hey if you come here you'll make more money and that might be enough but the types of people that do the creative stuff they're not going to be incentivized just by a higher paycheck if their entire rest of their day is just miserable and the same thing in and out day in and day out
2: They want to do what they love, right? Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, just that. I know that that's why we do what we do on a daily basis, because we're passionate and we love what we do. So, uh, And I think all that starts with the hiring process, Dana. Like you said, um, we took that into consideration. We were doing interviews and finding people who not only love Gilbert, but love what they do, love digital communications, and are very passionate about what they do. And so if you start with people like that, then – you know, that kind of translates and, you know, is honestly kind of contagious to other people in the organization.
0: Absolutely, and I think we've started to see that spread out into other places, and it feels great, but it has to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about the top-down and making sure, especially when you want to make investments in digital communications or that strategy, that you have that support from the mayor or management, whatever that might look like in your organization, but if you are out there and you're listening, it's definitely worth a conversation to try to go to them and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, and we mentioned earlier about like taking a look at the resources that you have and thinking about how to configure, them differently, and an example that Jessica you brought up earlier was when I came, I had three audiovisual techs, and I looked and I'm like, I don't need three people that pretty much were just pushing buttons at public meetings. And so, thinking creatively about taking what you have and what you could be doing differently. And so, you know, unfortunately, that led to elimination of some positions, but it also led to the creation of something to me that was much more valuable to the organization and the community, which was we eliminated three positions. We contracted that AV work out. And then we hired two digital journalists who were more well-rounded and could do everything from, you know, shooting and video editing and storytelling. And it was just, we were getting so much more bang for our buck that way. And I go and I talk to like, look at people's org charts. You know, it's like, do you need all those people? Like, what are they doing? Or, you know, when you have people that are, well, this is, I do this one specific job. Like, I stay in this lane. Like, this is what I do. And it's like, for us, I'm always looking for well-rounded people who want to do more than their job description and want to get those opportunities and that experience to step outside and take on, you know, new and interesting assignments. Like, you know, Derek is our certified drone flyer,
3: you know, <laughs> but, and, you Slash, know. Slash, you know, musical artist. Yes. Yes. him to be.
0: <laughs> yes. And, you know, that but that's really interesting. You know, when you think about hiring or looking for talent or who it is, is, you know, looking for people that want to grow and want to do more than what's just in the prescribed few lines of their job description. So I think that that's also really key too when you talk about hiring and who you look at to bring into an organization and the types of people that you're hiring. And it it reminds me actually of when I um, took a job at um, NBC News at MSNBC. And it was funny because I had a political background, a political science background, but I hadn't come up through the typical news rank. So I didn't go work at the local news affiliate. I had come from another MTV, which was another, you know, network and They were used to hiring people that had come from, like, the local affiliate in Florida and then moved up to Atlanta, and then they went to Atlanta and plucked them out to come to, you know, the big, the big wig place in New York City, and they're like, but it was branded the place for politics, and I was like, "Well, I have political. Ba- I have a political science degree. I worked on campaigns. I worked on political programming at MTV. Like, why wouldn't you hire someone like me? No, I didn't work at the local affiliate, but and they were like, "Oh, it's so interesting. We never really thought about that." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I rose really quickly through the ranks because I actually knew politics, versus a lot of the people that were being hired that knew, you know, how to write for weather or you know the the daily news cycle, but didn't know anything about political news. (laughs) So And it sounds so simple, right? But it was like, I think they had this like light bulb moment of, oh, maybe those are the types of people we should be hiring.
3: That's another another good point is, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone when it comes to your hiring process and diversifying. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really, you know, a case of diversifying who they're hiring. So they were hiring the same, you know, kind of Type of person came from this place this whole time, and then once they got a different kind of person in there, it kind of threw you know this different angle into their whole organization. Um, that's amazing. However, you can diversify. I mm-hmm. think that's a great thing to think about when you're doing any hiring is to get different types of people in there because everybody brings a different perspective.
2: Well, and Derek, we kind of talk about this all the time with the Spark App League kids where it's like you don't have to go in and study coding and mm-hmm. computer science um, to to be able to use coding, right? You could be a doctor and know how to code and then build an app that is um, relevant to your field. Or you could be, like for me, a marketer, and I need to do coding. I need for website. Or... And that's
1: actually more in demand now than actual people that are just coders as they they want that thing.
3: Those people with the people skills. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There we go. Well,
1: and like now that we're we've talked about it for a little bit like i wonder if maybe that's the difference between government and like the private sector is a private sector company could not do that they 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 cannot just stay the course and just do the same thing i mean some companies are able to do that but most companies can't do that because if if they don't learn to change and adapt and do that stuff the rest of the world in a in a business you run out of money you die you got to close up shop and and maybe that's why these old you know I don't know what we would call them legacy or classic government types are like, well, we're never going to run out of money, so we might as well just keep doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is a really kind of terrible way to look at the, the, the you know, what, what a government actually does is, is, is providing services and connections for people in the community. Like, you have to think about it in that mentality. Like, imagine yeah you probably aren't going to run out of money because you know taxes and all that stuff but 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 think about what that's coming from if this was a private sector business and you just kept the wheels turning and that's it and never adapted to changes, you would become extinct you would you you would be swallowed up by somebody else or you know it's, it's there's no competition in government, so maybe that's that's you know, the
3: key you know you talked about um, coming back from these conferences and how we're so energized and I wanted to say that's uh, there's a little bit of competition there when we come yeah. back. You know, yeah. we see what other people are doing, even if they are private sector businesses, what they're mm-hmm. doing on social and, you know, how for me, you know, how they're making new videos and we're constantly looking at other agencies and other people. And I'm a collaborative person, but, you know, coming from news, I'm also a little bit of a competitive person. And it's kind of, you look across at these other agencies and you're like, oh, I could do that. Let's see if I could do it better. And I think that's also the difference is mm-hmm. that when you have a little bit of a spark of competitiveness you know that creates those innovative ideas those efficiencies those differences that kind of keep the the organization moving forward and you said it you know in government it's not it, that's the big difference the private sector is competitive government's not
1: yeah well and i think our organization as a government entity is different from a lot of people because we are very very cognizant of mm-hmm. that financial mm-hmm. responsibility that we have but it does it it's not it's not what like drives or motivates us. You know, we, we aren't interested in just keeping the wheels turning. We want to do that creative stuff while also recognizing that we're doing it, you know, in service to our community. And and so we need to keep you know, we need to keep that in the back of our heads. It's it's everybody in our organization is is very, very aware of that, but it's not like our driving motivating factor. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's not how the rest of the world works. Exactly. <laughs> Which is,
0: we've come full circle. This was great. Thanks, you guys. This is a good one. This is one that I'm going to share with our or the rest of our organization. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, but thank you, guys. This was awesome. And thank you to our listeners. Be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. Also, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think about this podcast. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital.